0: Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Hebrews 6 verse 1 says, Come on people, therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again the foundation. Have you asked yourself, why are we taking you on this journey of maturity as a Limbronian? To grow, to mature. <clears throat> and now you mature, and then what? <laughs> the aim of this series, the result of this is that we have a bunch of mature people in God. Able to walk in the fullness of His Word. The fullness of what He calls over them. What He has called them for. To help you in a journey of discovering what you can be in Him. You know, as a child or a minor, there is inheritance for you. But as long as you're a child, you you can't do anything with it. You have a guardian. We've just recently had to change our, our will and testament, our final. And in there... We had to decide what will happen if we had to pass away, both of us, to our children. This thing of guardianship became real. Who do we trust with the future of our children? So in, in carnal things we say, we, there will be a guardian and a trust set up for them. And then when they become 21, they can get a portion of the estate but it will be under supervision. And when they are 25, they they have access to it. But that guardian up until then will decide what happens. When you said, Jesus, I accept you as Lord and Savior, you are born again. Jesus died. There is an inheritance for us. We walk in part of that inheritance here on earth. As a mature person, an adult, we want you to walk in that inheritance, this side of heaven, as much as possible. For our inheritance lost, uh, God, give us the lost. It says that's our crowns in heaven one day. We want to impact the society. We want to we take back what the enemy has stolen. We want to win souls for Christ. Translate people in Him. That's what this series is about. And if you don't remind yourself, you will quickly just uh, see how many mature messages you can turn out. Maturity in this, maturity in this, maturity in this, maturity in this. And it. But it's about you maturing in Him. Another, word that the, another meaning of the word mature is they use it that I have mature thoughts about something means my thoughts are well thought through and complete i sometimes wish i have that when i make decisions (laughs) then the results might also be mature (laughs) and not so (laughs) devastatingly childish can i ask you to open your bible at matthew 5 Matthew five speaks about the beatitudes, which is lovely. If you um, if you don't know what to read in this week, take some time, meditate on it. It's beautiful. It's all the blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. But the portion we want to look at starts in Matthew five verse thirteen. I don't know if you've got an ESV like me. I've got a heading: Salt and Light. Oh, 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 let your light shine. No one with me there? Okay. It's a song that Heal Songs did for the kids. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The aim of this series is that your light will shine. You will be salt.
1: It's who
0: we are. This morning, I want to talk about us maturing and stepping up to Matthew 5 verse 13. Step up. Step into this. Renew your thoughts. Take hold of this. Understand it. I studied psychology and I did a lot of counseling. And in psychology, there was a principle that, that they covered and they said, As we think, so we are. Ever heard that? Later found out it's in, <laughs> in Proverbs 23. <laughs> can I read it for you in the King James? I'll read it for you later. Then you can see I also read the New King James. <clears throat> but as a man is in his mind, as he thinks, so he is. It's a psychological thing that they they speak, or they call it psychosomatical um, influences and symptoms. Psycho, the mind, somatical, manifest in the flesh. So as you think, you you become sick. That's why people are sick when they are stressed. They are worried. That's why you can say, I'm sick with worry. Because of the the psychosomatical impact of it. The mind. It's very real sometimes, isn't it? They call it the battlefield of the mind. It is probably the most difficult thing to bring into an accountable relationship is your mind. Your thoughts. You think of what you think of. And imagine that being exposed to the person sitting next to you right now. It's the most difficult thing when you walk a road of accountability with somebody to get them to open their minds and tell you, this is my thought life. Because let me tell you, all of us have selfish thoughts, evil thoughts, unsanctified thoughts. James says, and he warns against it. He says in 1 verse 15, Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. (laughs) How many times did it start out as a feeling? Thought about something. Oh, that chocolate would be lovely. I'm craving something sweet. Before you know it, you're driving to the closest garage at half past ten in the night, looking for a whole night chocolate. I don't have Cadbury. I want Cadbury. I need it. He's screaming at the cashier. Why do you only have Beacon? And it all started with the thought of, I need chocolate. I need something sweet. Gross. Our thoughts. What happens here? It's powerful. Walk past something someone hear half a conversation and Afrikaans they call it picking up stompies walk past they say something oh what were they saying about me now blue isn't a good color walk past for the rest I'm like I'm, I'm wearing a blue shirt and people think it's not a good color on me I'll have to change my wardrobe. I'll go and buy. I'll buy pink shirts. You buy pink shirts. Meantime, three weeks later, you find out they were saying blue is not a good colour on a small car. But there's a a process that happens here. If we have to be honest with one another, there's a journey we can take right here without leaving. Step up means maturing in our thoughts, getting a grip on what carries on here. I'm going to simplify it this morning, not because I think it is the only thing, but it is one of the things that we find that cripples and debilitates and keeps people out of what God has for them in many cases, and it is this thing of your thoughts about your own value and worth. You look at people and you say, do you know who you are? I want to phone people and say, we, we, we miss you on a Tuesday at prayer, not because we want a hundred extra voices, but because you have intrinsic value and you bring something that I can't bring. You have value, you have worth. It is that thing that can either swing from one side where I feel worthless. Right to the other side of of the swing where I feel superior. But let me tell you, it is all born out of not having the correct thoughts about who you are and the value that you have. The first thing I want to touch on today is do you understand your value in Christ? For me, it is the, the foundation, the starting point of understanding value is if you understand who Jesus is. Simple test. How easy is it for you to express who Jesus is? The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Sacrificial lamb, but also the lion that roars. The reigning king, but the one who laid himself down. And I wrote down in my notes, I thought, let me start with saying you should have the right view or a high view of Jesus. And then later I scratched it and I thought, can we have the true view of who Jesus Christ is? I want to remind us this morning, can we mature in our understanding of who Jesus Christ is? Some people think he was just a person created by God to come and die for humanity. Somebody says he was Jesus and then he became Jesus Christ when he was baptized and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. Somebody says he was just a man. Someone says he was a prophet. He was a wise man. He was a good man. Who is Jesus to you? The Son of God. The light of the world. He wasn't something created by the Trinity. He is part of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the tri God, the only, only thing that could ever substitute the wrath of Yahweh was Yahweh, the uncreated one. He is not less than. He is not subject to. He is Jesus Christ, the living God. Think about it. It's all good and well when we accept him as Lord and Savior. And we want to be saved from the fires of hell. Then it's okay. Oh, Jesus, you're my Savior. But he is more than Savior. He's the one who creates. He's the one who gives life. He's the one who sings your life and destiny over you. He is part of Trinity. I wonder if I had to challenge you to shout out what he is to you. What will you do? Give me, what, do you, what is Jesus to you? Alpha and, Kumaila, Alpha and Omega, uncreated. Warrior. Come on, guys. Victorious king. Unmatched in greatness. Glorious representation. Open your Bibles in Colossians. This cannot stand. As a church, we need to mature in who Jesus is. Goodness, now this thing is hiding from me. Am I never gonna find it? There we go. Colossians 1, verse 15. <laughs> We're gonna read it together. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Jesus Christ. John 1:1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What beginning are they talking about? He has no beginning. He has no end. What beginning are they talking about? The beginning of us, of creation. But the beginning of you. In your beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God, and He breathed life over you and into you. You see, if we understand who He is, you can start to understand the value that we have in Him. The price tag on you that He placed. On you was Himself, and it is in essence invaluable. You are in Him so valuable that He gave Himself willingly as sacrifice. Now, before we swing to the outer edge. Of who we are and think, I'm quite grand. <laughs> we remind ourselves why he had to pay that price. Can you mature in your thinking about Christ? And then go one step further and let it practically affect how you think and speak about yourself. You know, the wonder is people will say, but why are you valuable? Because God says so. Who's God? He is the only one whose words will never return void. Will accomplish what he has said. It, when he calls you my beloved, it will be because he is the one that is faithful and watches over his word. When he says you are worth me sacrificing myself, whether you believe it or not, it is true. The effects of our thoughts when they aren't rooted and matured in who he says is devastating. Proverbs 23.7 in the New King James says, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. We have to mature in what we think of ourselves. I've seen people not participate because they think so little of themselves. Case in point, home groups and prayer meetings. When you aren't there, you are missed. You bring something so unique to that meeting. No one else can fill that space. On a Sunday, when we worship together, it's not great because Marion is smacking those ivories it's because you participate and on the other side we have people that think they are oh it, uh, in, in any case I can do a better job than anybody that's participating and they think they are so great but they miss the game because they sit and judge on the sideline I've seen how the people think about this. I ask people, why haven't you done anything? Because I was so scared that I was going to stuff it up. I didn't want to try. But God says, what you bring is enough. Your loaves, your fish is enough. And as you bring it, I breathe over it. (laughs) And it changes into 12 baskets of leftovers. But unless... You renew your mind. You will not see it. I've seen how people have traded themselves for nothing because their thoughts was, "I'm not worthy of acceptance." I've seen how people have pursued relationships where they are treated with disgust and disrespect willingly because they don't understand that the creator of the world calls them valuable. I've seen people diminish their worth and their impact. I've seen people take lies spoken over them and cling to this as if it is life-giving truth that amounts to nothing. I've seen people stay in a house and lock themselves away for the safety, but still debilitated by the thoughts of I'm worthless. Un- um, Sunday after the service, I got home and I got a call to say that my um, beloved teacher had passed away. I met her when I was 14, and she became a surrogate mom to me. And um, she died at the age of 70, 73. Now, she's meant a lot to me, but in, in essence, what she did in my life, when I was confused <laughs> and Immature, she took me and she said to me, God has got such great plans for you. She gave me acceptance and value, but was wise enough to root it in Christ. It was when I could speak about her at a funeral, a life celebrated. I've seen the effect of lies. magnified because people don't understand what they are worth I've seen people relinquish control of who they are because they don't know who they are they don't know their value they don't know their worth I've seen people say to me but if I didn't do this they wouldn't accept me For as a man thinks, so he is. Maturing practically, how do we change this? (sighs) And this is the challenging thought. The first step to changing your thoughts about your value and worth is to recognize and admit what you think about your value and your worth. They say the first step to recovery is acknowledgement. If I had to sit with you one-on-one and say, write out to me in one sentence who you are and what you are worth, would you give me a biblical answer of what it should be? Or can you be honest with me? And say, I have had knowledge of him giving himself for me And I can understand the theory that I'm valuable because he paid a price for me. But in application, I sometimes miss it. Will you be honest enough to say that when I'm confronted with this, my insecurities devalues me in my thoughts. And I I find myself in an awkward state of, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. Can you be honest with me and say, when I'm confronted with people with this personality, with this status in life, with this job, with this thing, when I'm confronted, I feel less valuable. It's my challenge to you this week. Go think about it. But wait, there's more. Step one. Recognize where you are. Step two. Recognize the source of that affirmation. Whether it's, it's worthless or worth something, somebody is affirming that thing in you. Who is it? Is it somebody that shouted worthless piece of rubbish over you when you were little? Or is it somebody that told you at work, you are useless? Or is it a loved one who said, I will not give you my affection because you do not deserve it? Recognize it. Or is it a teacher that said to you, you are valuable, And I can see you're going to achieve great things in Christ. Is it somebody who comes to you and says, God says, you are beloved, you are son, you are daughter. He gave himself for you. I value you because of who he is in you. Can you recognize the source? Can you evaluate the source? Step three. Is it a lie? Is it truth? How do I know what is true, what is lie? Whatever does not line up with His Word is not truth. His Word is eternal, and it is eternally true, eternally relevant, eternally effective. The truth is, not all of us are good at football. The truth is, not all of us are good at cooking. My wife happened to be superior. And then you ask yourself the final question. This thing that I'm asking to affirm me in my worth or in my worthlessness is appreciating who I am or what I've tried to do. Do you have the steps? Should I repeat it? Recognize where you are. Recognize the source of who says what you are. Evaluate the source for its authenticity. Does it enforce what he says in his word about you? Now the challenge is some of us will have to go and find out what his word says about us. You are the head and not the tail. You are a conqueror. You are a victor, not a victim. And the last one is, does the voice affirm you for who you are or what you tried to do? Romans 12 verse 1 says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what it is, the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You can meditate on all of the quotes in the best-selling self-help book on the New York's best-selling list. I guarantee you, it will not produce transformation. You can meditate for all of your life on one scripture in His Word, and it will renew and transform you daily. His Word is effective. One scripture, since the age of 18, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. 18, I am 40 in November. 22 years of meditating on that same thing to tell me I am worth something in him. I'm reading this book. I'm reading this book. I want to tell you to stop plowing through authors and start plowing into his word and see how he transforms your mind. See how he renews your thoughts. See how freedom comes. And he established you as valuable and precious. I threw in a fourth point today because I felt generous. Romans 16 verse 19 to 20 says, I, I don't know, I just have to ask this, but we used to sing the song. Romans 16, 19 says, did anybody else sing it? please just show me somebody nobody's recognized any of the songs please thank you god hallelujah for your obedience is known to all so that i rejoice over you but i want you to be wise in what is good and innocent as to what is evil i want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil and then the god of peace will soon crush satan under your feet how do you maintain it when you understand the value You meditate on what is good. I know I make it sound like it's really easy. I've also had a struggle with thoughts. I know what can happen here. I, I'm, I'm there. Before I know it, I'm in a pit. I'm worthless, useless. And then all of a sudden, I remember what is good? What is good? It's a time when God affirmed me. That was good. What is evil? Thinking poorly about myself. It's a lie. One of the most effective ways to maintain a thought life that is full of what God says is prayer. When I was little and younger in church, I hated it when people said, let's go and pray. Like, especially if you grew up in a charismatic church. Because somebody would just ramble off. And they would consume all the airtime. And you just stand there and think. Whatever. And then over and above that, somebody would scream out in tongues. And then another lady would cry through the interpretation. It was, that was just our prayer meetings. I never particularly enjoyed it. I felt it was a waste of time. What has happened since is I've realized. When I engage in intentional time set aside to commune with God. My attention is drawn from here to there. My thoughts are cast upwards. I am forced to recognize the person that I'm praying to. I said sometimes culture points us towards earth, ourselves, and earthly wisdom. But the Bible that stands counterculture as the eternal kingdom culture says, let your primary focus be heavenwards. Example, I'm starting to think poorly about myself because my wife hasn't told me what a good looking man I am. Father, I thank you that I have a wife who serves you and puts you first. I thank you, God, that she's an incredible wife. And an impeccable mother, a woman of God who is worthy of export. All of a sudden, my thoughts are not about me. I'm going to challenge you this morning. We're going to do a little bit of a practical thing. Are you okay with that? Do you trust me? Let's start there. Do you trust me? Okay, cool. So what we do at prayer meeting, for those that haven't been, is we divide into groups. Normally gather in groups of like five to eight. Can I ask us to sit in groups of five to eight? Yes, quickly. Move the chairs around, we can move it again, it's not a problem. Create groups of five to eight. There we go, that's amazing. You can see all the people that come to prayer meeting know exactly how it works. You take a seat and you turn it around and there's a circle. Amazing. Safe space. If you're with somebody you don't know, this is a good time to just introduce yourself and say, Hi, I'm Johan. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. Let's start there. Okay, now this is going to feel like some hippie psychology uh, business retreat, but it's not. In your group, can you just start to tell the person opposite you, you are worth what he says you are worth, and you are valuable beyond measure. Don't even have to think about it. Just say the simple words to the person sitting opposite you. You are worth what he says you are worth, and you are valuable beyond measure. Say it. Some of you are still thinking this is a game. Say it with intention. Mean it. You are worth what He says you are worth, and you are valuable beyond measure. The next thing you're going to say to one another is you are able to do what He has called you to do. Simple. Simple. You are able to do what He has called you to do. Just that. His promises over you are yes and amen. Is my grammar correct? Here we go. Have we broken the ice? You guys comfortable with one another? Yeah, yeah. Some heads going Indian, yes. Not so sure. I want you to take a moment now in the safety of your circle. Sit back and hear his voice speak over you. Close your eyes in your circle.